Branches that once made for a majestic tree canopy are now detached and now lifeless. That's a picture of many in our city and many in our churches. What happened to our vegetation has happened even in the body of Christ. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. You out and about this Sunday morning. Appreciate all that you are doing to continue to minister in the world in which we live. We are looking at what it means to spend our days, our time at the feet of Jesus. Uh, we are starting this new year studying the one thing Jesus said that is necessary. Remember his conversation with Martha. There's only one thing necessary. Mary has chosen that thing. And what was it? It was to be at the feet of Jesus. That connection with the one who created you, the one who has saved you, the one who is transforming you. Well, as we look at this concept, at the feet of Jesus can just be a buzz phrase at church or it can be your personal reality. How do you get to the feet of Jesus? That's a great question. We'll study that together. How do we stay at the feet of Jesus? That's a more practical question for many of us in the days and age in which we live. Well, our city happens to be a very powerful illustration of the deepest spiritual truth you could ever know or ever experience. I want you to hear that. Our city is the best illustration I've seen in a long, long time of the deepest truth you can ever know. No matter where you go in our city, you can see all around you in our streets and our neighborhoods strewn with nothing but fallen branches from the ice storm of 2020. Even our stage is covered with fallen branches from the ice storm. And everywhere you look, you see piles and piles and piles of fallen branches. One too long ago, do you remember the scene that you see there on the screen? That may have looked like your car, may have looked like your neighborhood throughout our entire city. Did some research and found out that our city, listen to this, we will spend, this city alone, this one city, we will spend $16 million, $16 million to clean up 150,000 tons of dead wood. Can you believe that? $16 million, a high price to pay. 150,000 tons of debris. What was once vibrant and living and alive and beautiful is now broken, fallen, dried up, and dead. Branches that once made for a majestic tree canopy are now detached and now lifeless. And that's a picture of many in our city and many in our churches. What happened to our vegetation has happened even in the body of Christ. Jesus illustrated this physical parable, this spiritual truth. You know the passage, but let's dig in, let's go back, and let's not let familiarity breed contempt in our understanding of scriptures. Turn to John chapter 15. Go to John chapter 15 with me this morning. John chapter 15 verse 1. Jesus, teaching this deepest truth that we see in the parable of broken branches, said it this way in his day and time. They didn't necessarily have ice storms where he was teaching, but they still had the same reality of detached branches. Take a look at it. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. 
And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it can bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Just like these branches on this stage or on the curbsides of our city, many Christians in our churches, many Christians who know the Lord have experienced this reality in their life as they have detached from the vine and find that their life is dry, dead, broken. No longer abiding in him, no longer at the feet of Jesus. Instead, we're on our feet running here and there. We're on our feet uh, walking in different directions than we used to walk. And instead of finding ourselves at the feet of Jesus, we find ourselves in ditches, in dark places, in discouragement, and in doubt. All of that because we have unplugged from him, our life giver, our sustainer. And it leads to fruitless lives that have dried up rather than fruitful lives reflecting the glory of God. Go to verse 5. Look at verse 5. He said, I am the vine, you are the? Let's do it again. I am the vine and you are the? Branches. He who abides in me, I abide in him. It speaks of this connection. It speaks of this life source of The life giver, the life creator, and the life sustainer, he is the vine and we are the branches. We simply get to be the fruit of that life source. But just like these branches, when we detach, when we unplug, we too find that we are now lacking the fruit and the vitality of the abundant life we have in Christ. But he said, if you'll simply abide in me and I in him, that person bears much fruit. Underline the last part of verse 5. You've got to hear this and you've got to see it. The Bible says, for apart from me, apart from the life giver, the life source, apart from me, you can do, say it with me, nothing, nothing. Now, that can get easily twisted in our hearts and our minds. The enemy who is always twisting God's word loves to lead us astray from the feet of Jesus. He loves to whisper in our ears and convince us that there is no such, or there is so much that we can do and so much we can experience away from the feet of Jesus. He will come to you and he will speak into your life and he will say, listen, listen, that at the feet of Jesus stuff, that's just a cute sermon series at Putnam City Baptist Church. That verse that says you can do nothing, you can do plenty apart from the feet of Jesus. There's so much out there for you, you just need to go get it. Isn't that the lie he brought to the first human beings in the garden? Jesus, the Lord, God said, you can't eat of that. He's just holding out on you. He's just controlling you. There's so much more. If you'll just take that fruit, you can have more. You can have everything you're looking for. Jesus said, if you unplug from me, you'll experience nothing. Bankruptcy, emptiness, It will not work. The enemy loves to tell us, no, you can be successful. Just keep climbing that ladder. We can have more by accumulating more stuff and packing more into our lives. We can be happy, just do what we want to do. But I want you to understand, apart from him, we will be just like this instead of what the enemy says. He says, no, you can be free. Does this look free to you? Does this look 
full of life to you. This is a physical picture of the spiritual reality Jesus was teaching. And it's so easy to have excuses for why we're not at the feet of Jesus. It's so easy to unplug from the life giver. It's so easy to get so busy in life that we lose our vitality in our life. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing that matters, nothing that is eternal, and nothing that glorifies the Lord, and nothing that will satisfy the hunger of our souls. You can ask any self-made millionaire who's tried to do it apart from God. Uh, you can ask anybody who supposedly has been self-made, uh, self-successful, and they'll give you the same testimony. John D. Rockefeller, many of you may remember that name of past, born in 1839, lived all the way to 1937, was an American industrialist who played a vital role in the establishment of the oil industry. He created Standard Oil. It was the standard of that day. And through that company and through the domination of that industry, he became the world's richest man. Per capita, even if you were to advance that into today's world, he probably would give Elon Musk a run for his money as well. He had the majority of the wealth. As a matter of fact, they say the, the majority of this nation's wealth compared to the percentage that he owned is higher than anybody who's ever lived in our nation. He was a man of great influence and affluence. His net worth was beyond anything we could ever imagine or even add up between Bill Gates and Sam Walton and all these others. And yet when he was asked at one point in his life, he's famous for this quote, a reporter asked him one time, well, how much money is enough money? You remember what he said? Just a little bit more. To have more than anybody has ever had and still not be enough only indicates the reality that apart from Christ, we really do have nothing. Now, the interesting part, the rest of his story that I'd never known until I did research this week, I'd always known that last part, and I always assumed John Rockefeller was an empty man. The beautiful part about his story is, actually, he had a passion to earn all this money so that he could be an influencer to help people in this world. That was his passion. Matter of fact, he grew up at Erie Street Baptist Church, he would become a trustee at the young age of 21. He was a devout Northern Baptist who supported many church-based institutions, a number of foundations, and a number of different ways of helping people in the world in which they live. Matter of fact, they say his very first paycheck, he tied 10% of his earnings to the church and continued to do that above and beyond the tithe to give away as much as he possibly could. He believed that his purpose in life was to make as much money as possible so that he could improve the condition of mankind here on earth. Uh, you could look at that story and you could find the reality that you can either pursue everything this world has or you can pursue a life of purpose connected to the life source, abiding in him, his life abiding in you, and you bear great fruit. Go back to where we were in John 15 now, verse 6. Let's keep digging. Verse 6, Jesus went on to teach. But if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. They gather them and they cast them in the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. A lot of people look at verse 7 and they only see the last part. You mean I can ask God anything and anything I want to ask I'm going to get? No, no, read the whole verse. If you abide in me, if you're connected to the life giver, 
you have a whole different life. You have a whole different reality. Those who have unplugged like these branches, those who even know the Lord but have removed themselves from being at the feet of Jesus, we can't just declare anything we want and God is obligated to that. No, this is a condition that happens as we abide in him and he abides in us. Guess what we desire? We desire to do his will, not our will, but his will be done, just like Jesus prayed in the garden. Verse 8, my father is glorified by this. By what? That you bear much fruit. Now, some of you won't get this in the room. A lot of you will. You grew up in church. You remember the days when we used to have what they called uh, pulpit flowers or arrangements? You remember these days? It was always a big flower arrangement that was right here in front of the pulpit, and it was dedicated to somebody's life, somebody's memory, whatever it might be, some occasion, and there were always these beautiful flowers on the pulpit. Now, they've been cut off. Uh, They were actually dying, but they were representation of beautiful flowers there at the pulpit. How you like what I've done with the stage this morning? Isn't that pretty? Isn't that an upgrade from the days we grew up with those floral arrangements? Branch arrangements. It's a new thing in church. Just look at these things. When you leave church, you'll go down the streets and you'll see piles and piles of this everywhere. They're ugly. They're dead. They're debris. And I wonder... How many people drive by churches every day? How many people drive by your home? How many people are driving by your life? And what are they seeing? Are they seeing the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Are they seeing this life coming out of us, the life of Jesus, even though everything around us seems to be dying? Or are they seeing a bunch of dead branches unplugged because we're not at the feet of Jesus? My Father is glorified when we are bearing fruit and proved to be his disciples. Look at verse 9. And just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Underline that last phrase of verse 9. Abide, not just at the feet of Jesus, but as you're at the feet of Jesus, abide in his love. Abide in that relationship that can only be found at the feet of Jesus. So practically... How do you abide in his love? How do you connect with Jesus? Is it just a matter of sitting in a chair at church? Is it a matter of having a one-hour quiet time or a two-hour quiet time? What does it look like? Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus begins to teach. It isn't in the doing. It isn't, oh, man, i got to keep the Ten Commandments, or i got to do this, or I can't do that. No, what he says is, as you abide in my command, what he has commanded, designed in his word, as we abide in his word, as we abide in the spirit of God, as we abide at his feet, all of that is life-giving. And then as we live in that design, as God has designed us to live, as God has desired us to live, you will find fruit and love coming from your life. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The reason this is such an ugly testimony is they're not full of life. The reason we might be that kind of testimony to the world is because we're not plugged in, we're not abiding, and we're not full of joy, and we're not full of the Spirit, and we're not full of life. Because we can't manufacture it. It comes from abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in us. As we look at these passages, there are four things, if you're taking notes, 
four things that come from a life that is abiding in Christ. Number one, there will be fruitful, fruitfulness. Not fruitlessness, fruitfulness. Take some inventory. Ask yourself on a grade of 1 to 10 in each of these four areas, what's coming from my testimony? Number one, is there the fruit of the Holy Spirit? I'm not talking about Southern Baptist fruit. I'm not talking about plastic fruit. I'm not talking about the stuff we can do to look like we got it all together. I'm talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. There, there's your inventory. Grade yourself, 1 to 10, fruitfulness. Second thing he says is if you abide in me, you will abide in my love, and my love will abide in you. I'm not talking about human love. I'm not talking about Hollywood love, his love. His love is radically different. His love loves when we're not lovable. His love was demonstrated when we were yet sinners. Our love should be the love of Christ. If we're abiding in him, it's a different kind of love. Grade yourself on a scale of one to 10, fruitfulness, love. The third thing he says is, and you will obey my commandments. You'll have a, a desire to honor me in what I've designed and what I desire. On a grade of one to 10, How's your spiritual obedience? And then finally, the fourth thing he says is it will show up in joy. My joy will be in you. My joy will be made full. And you will experience that joy. That's why we can see the Apostle Paul, who learned the secret of being filled with the Spirit of God, who learned the secret of contentment. Then when he was thrown in prison, we've talked about this before, instead of having a pity party, he's praising God. He's full of joy. He wasn't in a joyful place. He wasn't in a joyful situation. He was sheltering away from his family and his friends and was isolated and in total confinement. That didn't impact his joy. Why? Because no matter wherever he was, he was determined to abide in Christ and let Christ abide in him. Well, here's what we know. If this is true, what Jesus taught, the importance of abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in us, what is the enemy's desire for your life? What does he want to do every single day? He wants to unplug you from the life giver. If you look at this next picture, you see, again, a reality that's, that's pretty powerful. It's pretty poignant. And when you look at this, this was once a very majestic, fruitful tree. It wasn't some little sapling. It was uh, a tree that developed over years and years and years and years. It was majestic. And look at the devastation. Look at the brokenness of once what was alive and now is broken. King David, a man after God's own heart, years and years and years of abiding in a relationship with God, woke up one night, woke up in a season of life, Season much like we've had, he was burned out. He was kind of dead on the vine. He had unplugged. He was resting in his success. He was at home when he should have been at the battlefield. And it led to a season of unplugging. And this giant of a man, this man who had a heart for God, was now detached and broken and found himself in a place he thought he would never be. Well, maybe that's happened for you over these months. It's happened to a lot of people. Statistically, we see a lot of people are crashing and burning emotionally and mentally and the struggles that have happened in this different phase of life that we've never experienced before. Let me 
give you some hope today. Go to Romans, if you would, quickly. Romans chapter 8. You do want to get out before lunch, right? Okay, go quickly then. Verse 37. Romans 8, verse 37. You are probably very familiar with this particular passage of Scripture. It's a great promise. From verse 37, God's Word says, In all these things, what thing? All things. Everything you can imagine. Everything ever. And we sang about it earlier as Tom and Alex were leading us in the praise team. We have victory through Christ. His new risen life is our life. We abide in Him, and that life abides in us. And in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him, through him who loved us. Not through trying harder, not by going to church, not by being a Baptist, but through Christ. He's our life giver. For I am convinced that nothing, not death or life, angels or principalities, nothing present, anything to come, no powers, no height, nor depth, no created thing. He goes through a whole list of anything you can imagine on this earth and, and beyond this earth. There is not one single thing, watch this, that can separate you from the love of God. You may be feeling like one of these branches this morning. You may have done the inventory and said, man, I I have separated, I'm not at the feet of Jesus. I'm at the feet of discouragement. I'm at the feet of giving up. I'm at the feet of fed up. I'm at the feet of being overwhelmed. Whatever that might be, wherever you are, I want you to understand that's not where Jesus will leave you. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. The sad thing for these branches, there's no hope for these branches. They're done. They can't plug back in. The good news for you and me, according to this passage, is we can. He will love you regardless of your condition. Regardless of what you've allowed to happen, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now there's context. Go to verse 28. Back up and look at context. You may know it, but look at it again. Earlier in this section, as he's speaking to this audience, here's the context. He says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Did you see what he said? All things. Matter of fact, I use this verse at a graveside when I'm with a family. Used it twice this past week and reminded them that God even took death. Remember, that's found down there in verse 38 and 39. Not even death can separate us from the love of God. Death, something as ugly as death, God even used for good. Because if we didn't have death, guess what? We would be stuck in this mess. Anybody want to spend the next 300 years here on planet Earth? Come see me for counseling. I'll help you through it. Something's wrong with you. This is not our home. This isn't the place. This is never going to make it. Now, I'm not saying drink some Kool-Aid and go to Jesus quicker than you're supposed to, but what I am saying is this. In all things, no matter what it is, even a COVID-2020 and a challenging 2021 already, God still works. He's still the life giver. And he causes all things to work together for good. Now, there's no period there. And this is the context you need to hear. The promises of verse 28 down through verses 39 are conditional they are true it is truth but it is contextual truth let me tell you what I mean by that God works all things together for good finish the sentence watch this finish along to those who love God 
You see, if you've never experienced the love of God, if you reject the love of God, you don't get to experience God working in your life. He will allow you that rope. He will allow you to go and distance yourself from his feet. So don't take this verse and say, well, man, it's just all. No, no, no. This promise is for those who know God, have experienced his love, and those who are called according to his purpose. So my question for you today is, have you experienced that love? Not just do you know about that love, do you know how to say the right things in Sunday school? Do you know his love? Do you know his purpose for your life? I didn't know those things growing up, but I came to understand them as I heard the preaching of God's word, as I surrendered my life to Christ. And then that began to get unpacked and unveiled. My daughter was asking me yesterday, I, I went to a certain university that will go unnamed following Cami in college days. And as I was there, I went to go be an architect. That lasted maybe half of the first semester. Changed my major very quickly because uh, I realized you had to spend 24 hours a day in that building, sleep in cots and have no life. I said, that's not the life for me. Not knowing God had a bigger purpose. Changed my major very quickly. Uh, went after, I believe it was computer science was next. Uh, loved computers, loved technology. Still, I'm a tech geek today and still love all that, but it wasn't God's purpose. Next year, the second year at that particular university, changed my major a third time. Went chasing after political science. Thought I was going to be a lawyer and maybe get into politics in those days. And now I am. I'm a pastor in a church. Here's politics. <laughs> but then I changed it a fourth time. When God finally revealed his call in my life was to be a quipper of the saints. You see, Satan wants to do everything he can to rob us of the love of God, knowing him personally, and then living out God's design purposefully. Personally and purposefully. And the only way that can happen is when he allows or brings sin to set up shop and rob us of the feet of Jesus. But I want you to know this. The one that's going to do everything that he can to separate you personally or purposefully has been defeated. Let's look at a verse we've seen before, Hebrews 2, verse 14. It's on the screen. I'll make it quick. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same flesh and blood. He took on flesh. That's what we just celebrated at Christmas. That through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. You see, Satan can't separate a believer from the love of God. But he can separate us from intimacy with God. How does he do that? He schemes on you. Just like he did the first human beings in the garden. He schemes and he schemes and he schemes. And he understands this. If he can distract you, number one, write these three things down. He will start by distracting you. Number two, he will seek to detach you from an abiding relationship. And then he gets to destroy you. Do you see the cycle? So how does he do that? He uses the thing God's design. He uses the laws of the harvest. You see these dead trees on the stage? A seed was once planted. It was planted in fertile soil. It was watered and nurtured and it grew. And the seed abided in that soil and it took root. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And as the tree grew, it bore fruit. It continued to bear these branches, this canopy of fruit. These came from some of the most beautiful trees in my neighborhood. What I drove by for these last few years, these glorious, beautiful creations of life, have now become a testimony of death, all because 
of the ice storm of 2020. All because ice began to cling to these branches. These branches began to accumulate the weight of the ice. They began to accumulate overnight and overnight and overnight. And under the weight of the accumulation, the branches broke off from the trees. That's a picture of what can happen in your life. And over these months, I wonder if there's been an accumulation in your life. An accumulation of stress, an accumulation of burdens, an accumulation of doubt, all of these things wane and wane and wane and wane. Here's the deal. These aren't bad branches. These weren't weeds. These were good branches. They were fruitful branches. They were prospering. It isn't because they were bad that they find themselves here on this stage or on the curbs by your home. It's because of things they accumulated. And I wonder if that's happened in your life today. Do you find an accumulation that has taken place? Look at the verse on the screen next, Galatians 6. It's called the laws of the harvest. You know this verse. It's very simple, but let's apply it. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption or death. What he's saying here in the law of the harvest is a seed gets planted, a seed gets watered, and there's a harvest. Now, if it's a weed seed, you're going to get bigger weeds. If it's a good seed, you're going to get good fruit. And if you plant seeds according to your flesh, you will accumulate over time nothing but destruction. So take notes. Number one, he says, don't be deceived. Wake up. You can't play games with God's principles and God's laws. You can't skirt it. Now, I know we all think we can. Especially the younger we are in the room, the more we think we can skirt it. You remember when you were younger and you thought, like some of these in the room today, how indestructible you can be? And, oh, you've watched other people become addicts and you've watched other marriages fall apart and you've watched other people go here and there, but that would never happen to you? King David thought the same thing. Don't be deceived. You are not exempt from the laws of the harvest. And number two, don't mock God. How do we mock God? We mock God when we say, I don't have to live under that law. I am, I am above that law, and that law can't touch me. I'll live how I want to live, thinking we are exempt. That's mocking God. Number three, know this, whatever you sow, you will reap. There will be a harvest. And a seed is a choice. A seed is an action, a step we take. We can either step to the feet of Jesus or we can step away from the feet of Jesus. And you get a harvest either way. You can have a harvest of love and joy and life and purpose or you can have a life of death and misery. Unplugging from the life giver. Two ways to live. We can plant to our flesh or we can plant to the spirit. You see, Satan knows the Word of God and God's design. He knows the law of the harvest. And he takes what God has designed and he perverts it so that he might destroy us personally and purposely. So he starts with this. He starts with a seed of distraction. To distract you. To get you to think on other things. Just like he did in the garden. Hey, look over there. Hey, don't ignore that fruit. Hey, look at what you're missing out on. That was their distraction. Did God say, hey, look at this. Look at what you could have. Look at what he doesn't want you to have. 
You know, you want this. This is going to make you happy. This will satisfy you. Hey, this won't hurt you. You ever had those kind of distractions? Well, the seed of distraction reaps, write this down, reaps the fruit of detachment. Please write that down and don't miss it. The seed of distraction. Any seed that's planted, it always reaps a harvest. What's the harvest of distraction? Detachment. And so now that you are detached from the feet of Jesus, you are withdrawing and pulling back. You're pursuing other things or you're distancing yourself and you're just busy and everything else, but you're not abiding in Christ, you're unplugged. And those distractions lead to detachment. Now you have the seed of detachment, right this line. The seed of detachment reaps the fruit of destruction. The fruit of destruction. And so on our journey over these next few weeks, we're going to learn how to plug back in or remain in him. We're going to learn the power of the joyful life that's found in the life giver rather than becoming dried up dead branches that have been distracted and detached. Let's pray about it with every head bowed and every eye closed. There was a lot more sermon. You can't believe that. There's more there. We'll get to it next Sunday. But we need to stop right here and take in what God has given us, what God has brought to you this day. His word will not return void. It has a purpose for your life this very morning, for your life as you're worshiping online with us. God has a word to say to you. What is it? What jumped out at you this morning? What did you need to hear? Have you been distracted in your faith? Are you detached and distanced from the feet of Jesus? I would encourage you right now to come running back to him. That's not running down an aisle, but you can in your heart, which may feel a million miles away from his, in an instant and in a moment, you can be abiding in him again. It's your choice. It's deciding to do what Mary did, that one thing that is necessary. Quit running around with all the distractions and all the preparations like her sister Martha Run back to the feet of Jesus. Say, Jesus, here I am. God, forgive me for being distracted and distanced. But God, today, I pour back my love and my devotion to you. Do you need to do that today? Do you need to return to the feet of Jesus? Do it. Have you ever been to the feet of Jesus? Has there ever been a moment in your life where God revealed to you the nail-scarred hands and the nail-scarred feet of Jesus? Have you been to his feet there at the cross? Has there been a time where you came to know, I need a Savior? I need God's love and God's forgiveness. If that's never happened for you, right where you are, either in your home or in this place, you can bow your head and say, God, save me right now. Come to the feet of Jesus. Come to his feet for salvation. Do you need to be saved? Say, God, save me. I need to be saved. I'm a sinner. I need you. It's that simple. And if you prayed just now that prayer that simple prayer a prayer that is a full surrender to God not a simple easy prayer of just God save me from hell no it's a surrender God I repent of my sin and I receive you as my Savior if you're willing to make that kind of surrender today the Bible says you can have a new life in Christ you can go from being dead and empty like these branches to being alive with the love and the joy of Jesus if that's you today, mark on your card, mark on a communication card before you leave. I trusted Jesus today. 
online, reach out to the online pastor or email us at ministry at pcbc.tv. Say, today I trusted Jesus. I know there's somebody today that needs to pray that prayer. And yet there are others in this room. You've been to the cross. You've been to the feet that were nailed to the cross. But you've been distracted and distanced in your journey. Like the prodigal son, come home. Come home. Leave the pig's pig pen behind. All the stuff that you thought would bring you life that's left you empty. Come back to the Father. Abide in Him and let Him abide in you. you say, how do I do that? You repent. You change direction. You leave where you are and return to where you need to be, the feet of Jesus. Lord, I come to your feet right now. If this is you, just pray. Lord, I come to your feet. And Lord, I come home. God, I come home and I just ask you would flood me with your Holy Spirit. Be my living water, my bread of life. God, I come home to you. If you prayed that, we want to know about that as well. If you're at the feet of Jesus, just keep soaking it up. Just stay right where you are. Say, God, thank you. that every day I get to abide in you and you in me. Lord, we love you, not because we're good and wanted to love you, but because you first loved us. And God, it's your love that changes us. It's your love that fills us. It's your love that transforms us. God, may we experience that every day we live. For we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.